0: Today, we are ending our Fall Sermon series where we have been going through the book of Matthew and considering how Jesus is instructing his followers throughout time to not just survive their lives, but to thrive in their lives. Today, um, we're looking at another one of these short stories, another parable told by Jesus. And this is the last of all of Jesus' parables. There's no more after this in the book of Matthew. So uh, with that, I want you to look with me to Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, and let's listen for the voice of the Spirit. Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you by the foundation of the world from the foundation of the world for i was hungry and you gave me food i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink i was a stranger and you welcomed me i was naked and you gave me clothing i was sick and you took care of me i was in prison and you visited me then the righteous will answer him lord when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty Depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, Please pray with me. God, please give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Pour through me your words to say and filter out anything that comes not from you. Help us to be people who follow you with integrity, with honesty, and with true hope for the kingdom that is coming even now. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you think that people can change? We certainly have a lot of sayings and stories in our society that suggest that we believe that people can't change. Maybe you've heard the fable about the scorpion and the frog. A scorpion is waiting by the side of a stream and calls out to the frog that is swimming by. The scorpion asks the frog if the frog will give the scorpion a ride, to which the frog says, no way, you'll sting me while I'm swimming and then I'll drown, to which the scorpion replied with a little laughter, my dear frog, if I were to sting you, then I would, you would drown, but I would drown with you. Where's the logic in that? The frog thought about it for a moment before saying, Well, I guess you're right. Hop on. And so the scorpion climbed on, and the frog took off swimming. And just as he got into deeper water, the scorpion stung the frog. The frog turned around and said, Scorpion, why did you sting me? Now we're both going to drown. Where is that logic? To which the scorpion replied, It has nothing to do with logic. It's just my nature. See our society has several stories and many sayings that tell us that people cannot change no matter how dire the circumstances are that they face. The scorpion couldn't go against his nature even to save his life. A tiger can't change its stripes. A leopard can't change its spots. That last one about the leopard actually comes from the Bible, from the book of Jeremiah. But Jeremiah is not the only one who says that people can't change. Jesus sort of says that too. In Matthew 7, he says this, You will know people by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, and the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. According to Jesus, good trees bear good fruit because they are inherently good, just as bad trees are inherently bad. And that's a really hard concept for us to think about. Because if the good are inherently good and the bad are inherently bad, then on what side do we fall? Are we scorpions or are we frogs? Are we spots or are we stripes? Are we sheep or are we goats? That's what Jesus' listeners are wondering about as they listen to this final short story from Jesus. And we wonder with them, asking ourselves, when we are judged by God, will God give us the, king, the keys to the kingdom or the dark loneliness of hell? This parable It's a parable about the apocalypse, about the end of times, and it's the last of several parables that Jesus teaches about what it will feel like when Jesus returns and all of humanity is faced with judgment. He says that facing judgment will feel like 10 women who fall asleep while they're waiting for a bridegroom. Facing judgment will feel like three men who manage their own their master's wealth differently from one another. He says that being judged will feel like being sorted out left to right by a judge who puts the saved to his right and the damned to his left. In this story, Jesus makes the criteria for this judgment really, really clear. The people who are welcomed into the kingdom of heaven are the people who can see others in their time of need and then do something to serve those people and their needs. Commentator Carla Works, she says this, The righteous have not been acting in some calculated way to earn God's favor. They have simply been doing what comes naturally for them in caring for their neighbors in need. And the ones on the left, too, have simply been doing what comes naturally to them, looking out for their own interests and not being bothered with the needs of others. This criteria for how judgment will go, for how you and me will be judged, in having the eyes to see others and then the courage to serve them and meet that need, this is not shocking for us to learn as criteria because it's coming from the Jesus who told another story about a good Samaritan and it's coming from the Jesus who washed the feet of both the treacherous and the faithful before he died and it's coming from the Jesus who died on the cross. There's nothing surprising about what we are going to be judged by. What does feel surprising about this story is that the goat's are unaware that they are goats, just as the sheep are unaware that they are sheep. Both the goats and the sheep are completely confounded. Both respond to the Son of Man with the same question, fueled by the same dumbfounded surprise, asking, but when did I do that? Asking, what they could have possibly done to have deserved either salvation or damnation. Which sort of puts us back to the beginning again, doesn't it? They didn't do anything. They were just acting out their inherent nature. Judy Stack Nelson, she points out the deeper logic that accounts for the surprise of the sheep and the goats. She says, For Matthew, ethical behavior indeed responds to Jesus' commands, but it does not result from effort, from trying hard. Instead, Matthew points out repeatedly that good fruit comes from good trees. Friends, it turns out that that the deciding factor in being welcomed or rejected by God isn't in what we do, it's in who we are. The problem with wealthy William is not that he doesn't give enough money away. The problem with wealthy William is that he's selfish. The problem with perfect Polly is not that she avoids the eyes of people experiencing homelessness as she walks by. The problem with perfect Polly is that she's merciless. The deciding factor in our judgment isn't in what we do. The deciding factor of how we will be judged is in who we are. Which forces the question, who are we? Are we the scorpion or are we the frog? Are we the spots or are we the stripes? Are we the good tree or the bad tree? Are we the sheep or the goats does knowing who we are even matter if like the sheep and the goats we can't actually see ourselves clearly or we don't know how to use the right criteria and does knowing who we are matter when we if we do find out where we are standing on the left or on the right it turns out that we can't actually change i think it does matter My friend Tom Toole, he often says this. He says, our God is in the business of reclamation and restoration. And Jesus is certainly in the business of transformation, transforming death to life. Regardless of how confident we feel in knowing who we are, Jesus tells us who we are created to be over And over and over again through scripture, he says, We are salt. We are light. We are children. We are friends. He says we are worthy of being found, regardless to our value that we have with others, whether we are pennies, pearls, or sheep. He says that we are made in the image of the divine. We, Jesus says, were created to be loved, And that is absolute good news. Because if we were created to be loved, if we were created to be salt and light, then that means that we cannot be defined by our worst characteristics. When the moment we find ourselves in the moment of selfishness, it means that we are not to be defined by our selfishness. We are defined instead By God's claim on us. When we are faced with our own feelings of judgment against others or disgust or shame for others, we do not have to accept those feelings as defining who we are. We can choose to act differently than we feel. We are free to choose to see people free to meet their needs, free to love without reservation because we know that we are loved without reservation. Can people change? Can they become more compassionate, act with more mercy? Absolutely. Christians certainly can because we are loved by the God who is in the business of reclamation and restoration. Our identity is set for us. The question is, do we want to be changed? That is the question.